Who hit my markers? Okay. I have like aqua. Let's use that. Well, good morning. A friend of mine who teaches the New Testament always starts his classes by saying that, says this to his students, he says, I have a set of lenses that I look through when I see the text. He says, you can't see them, and I can't see without them. So it is with all of us. When we read the text, we read through the lenses of our experience, our understanding of the language, the whatever theological background we've been given in whatever traditions we've grown up in. And the challenge for us when we read is to make sure we're seeing clearly through our lenses and that our lenses are enabling us to see clearly the text we're reading rather than being cloudy, rather than distorting what we're reading. And so from time to time, it's necessary for us to pop up on the proverbial hood of the biblical text and start monkeying around in there. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Some of you may know we have this great uh, black guitar that uh, sounds awesome, had a little bit of a hum that developed in it, and uh, I tried to fix it. (laughs) The hum went away, and so did the signal. So uh, we took it to Bill's, and somebody who knew what he was doing fixed it just fine. Uh, And so there's danger in trying to monkey with these things. I won't mention, but there's a family member who's here who tried to fix our plumbing once, same kind of result. But the the truth is that sometimes it's also necessary. We do these things because something's not working right, right? So what I want to talk about this morning is a place in Romans where A lot of folks have said, you know, there's something that's not quite working right about the way we've traditionally read this text. And there may be a better way to read it that is going to make more sense. Maybe, maybe not. We can see. But the things I want to emphasize about this just from the get-go are the same things I did, and we're going to go back to the place where we started monkeying with grammar a few months ago. Uh, First of all, any good reading of the text, I think, is going to be able to support the other good readings that are there, right? So in a lot of ways, what we're looking at here is nuance. What we're looking at here is not a question of whether Paul would hear you say, oh, so I guess you're saying this. And it's not that Paul would say, no, that's not at all what I mean. It would be more that Paul's saying, well, yeah, I guess that would be true. But the main thing I was saying was something else. The other thing is you may not be at a point right now where it's a good time for you to try to undo your uh, understandings. Maybe you need to be seeing through the lenses you have as well as you're going to be able to given where you are. I mean, if you're playing, it's better to put up with the hum than to try to fix it right there and end up not being able to use it. Uh, If you need to drive, you know, you may know, you know, I probably need to get my prescription checked, but that's not the time to take your contacts out. So with all of those caveats, a few months ago, we looked at this fun phrase, 
from Paul's letter to the Romans and elsewhere, Dikaiosune Theu. Anybody remember with great affection? Dikaiosune Theu. Anybody remember with great affection what Dikaiosune Theu is about? Right? You do? Did you say yes? And what is that? BJ took notes. The righteousness of God. Dikaiosune means righteousness or what? Justice. Righteousness or justice of God. And this is what case, Parker? You remember? You took Latin. The genitive case. <laughs> the genitive case, this ooh means this is the genitive case which means of God. And that's sort of the quick, easy gloss. But here's the problem. What it really... I shouldn't say what it really... The, the range of what it can mean is righteousness or justice, having something to do with God or maybe coming from God or maybe... Availing before God, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe. My Greek grammar has like 42 different uses of the genitive. So, this is not such a simple phrase, as simple as it looks. And we, we kind of broke this down, if you remember, uh, and completely ripping off the work of a guy named N.T. Wright, who incidentally is going to be at St. Mary's next month. Many of us are going to be there, camped out getting body parts signed and so forth. Um, N.T. Wright breaks it down where he says, and, and, and again, this, this will be perfectly familiar. I, I would think you know, most of you who were here a few months ago could probably go ahead, come up right here and do this. Uh, that there, there are, are, when we understand God's righteousness or his justice, right? we could be talking about God's own it's, so God's righteousness. So it could be God's own righteousness, right? Maybe that has to do with his, you know, distributive justice. The fact that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, except that that doesn't really necessarily always work, which was Martin Luther's observation, which made him um, kind of grumpy. Uh, and and so, or maybe it has to do with with God's own qualities of righteousness, God's own moral quality of righteousness, right? Maybe might also have to do with God's acts of righteousness, right? God's righteousness as demonstrated, right? So maybe that has to do with God's acts of covenant faithfulness, right? Remember he made this covenant with, don't say Jesus, Abraham, yeah. Right, makes a covenant with, this covenant's with Abraham. He's going to be faithful. Maybe it's acts of covenant faithfulness. Maybe, and this was a, the, this guy named Ernst Caseman thought that actually had to do with just acts of general faithfulness. Whatever. 
you know what I mean. Acts of general faithfulness having to do with sort of putting the world to right. But maybe, and your translation of the Bible probably reflects this, if you're looking at the NIV, or if you're looking at the TNIV, or if you're looking at the NRSV or the old RSV, or frankly most of the translations that we've used, maybe it's not, Paul's not talking here about God's righteousness as much as he's talking about whose? Don't say Jesus. What? Ours. Maybe Dikaiosune Theu has to do not with God's righteousness, but with our righteousness, right? Maybe it's our righteousness that we get from God. So it will be God's righteousness given to us, right? Maybe it's imputed righteousness. Maybe it's imparted righteousness. That is to say, if it's imputed, that just means that you get credit for it, but you don't really get it. Imparted means it's given to you somehow. Or maybe it's not Paul's not talking here about righteousness that is God's, that is given to us. Maybe it just has to do with God's righteousness, our righteousness, that comes before God. Our righteousness before God, right? So maybe that has to do with uh, our righteousness that avails before God. So we're able to bring to God. Maybe we bring it to God because he gave it to us. Right? We, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And then you gave me my righteousness and I brought it before you. It's not how the rest of the song went because it's not as poetic. Or maybe, some people, th- and this is less, less of a common, uh, perspective in Orthodox Christian tradition because we usually realize what awful people we are, but maybe God finds some people who are really awesome already. And they can bring their own righteousness to God, and he's suitably impressed. And, and these are just some of the main options. There's a bunch of others, too. But you can see here this simple phrase, the righteousness of God, in the Greek, the simple phrase, righteousness of God, can have can fall out a whole bunch of different ways. And, and what's challenging about this is that according to the grammar any of these works the way the grammar reads any of these is perfectly acceptable it's a perfectly fine way to read the greek we have to interpret that according to the context of the flow of paul's whole argument where else he uses those phrases where other people might have used those used those phrases and this is the kind of thing that keeps new testament scholars very busy writing papers, giving seminars, putting books out, and the like. But this, this, just so you know, this debate has really been raging in the New Testament community for the last 30 years or so, ever since a guy named Richard Hayes back in the 1980s put out uh, his dissertation uh, where he made an argument about what we're about to deal with. So if you thought this was confusing, just wait. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, there's another key phrase that along with Dikaiosune shows up in our text today. Our text is Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 22b. And in that phrase, we read that Dikaiosune Theu, which in your translation may be a righteousness from God, or God's righteousness, 
or the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is being revealed. And this is a dikaiosune theu, a righteousness of from God. That is through dia pisteos Jesus Christus. Jesus Christus. Righteousness from God that is through Pisteos Jesu Christu. Now, Pisteos Jesu Christu means faith or belief. Jesu Christu. Anybody want to guess? Jesus. Good. Okay, good. Yeah. See, sometimes that is the right answer in church. Faith. Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> if you were remembering our Greek lesson, the uh, ooh at the end means it's what case, Parker? It's the genitive case. And so how do we usually gloss the genitive? How do we usually put that down? Of. Right? But really, we know it's not necessarily of. It could be pertaining to, in, whatever. How does your translation there, BJ? What, what, what are you rocking there? NIV. How does the NIV Render that in, in Romans 3.22a. Uh, 22.21, sorry. Well, 21, it says through, yeah. Faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so the NIV says faith in. Somebody have something else? And yet, where's Anne? And you got the Net Bible, don't you? Oh, it's too bad, because they have something else. Yes. Yeah. Good. Keep going. Through faith in Jesus Christ, okay? The uh, m- Most of your translations are going to have through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a TNIV, a TNIV is going to have as a uh, note, a footnote as a possible alternative reading, which is what the Net Bible, in fact, has, the New English translation, which, Anne, do you have it? Do you pull it up? Yeah, the faith of or the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. No, not really. Um, so, uh, <laughs> go ahead, what is it? Yeah, right. So that, that gives the sense of the first. So right. So the NIV would say the faith in Jesus Christ. So if if this is if this has to do with and and, and sorry what, and how does it talk about dikaiosune uh, theu BJ in the NIV righteousness of God. Thank you. Righteousness of God through faith, or righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ, right? Do you have the Net Bible up? Okay, well, I'll, I'll do this from memory. It's the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Are those the same thing? 
BJ would say no. And all of us who know what we're doing take that very seriously. A righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ or the righteousness of God through the faithfulness of Christ. Well, how might that difference be significant? For one thing, for us, what's important in the first case is our what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. In the second, what would be important would be our what? Our nothing, really. Jesus' faithfulness, right? In the first case, what kind of righteousness is important? No. Our righteousness from God that is given to us that somehow we have access to through faith in Jesus Christ. In the second case, whose righteousness is in view? God's righteousness. So in a lot of ways, the question is, did Paul get up in the morning thinking, how do I find a gracious God? Or did he get up in the morning thinking, how do I understand God to be faithful? Was Paul interested primarily in talking about our placing our faith in Jesus Christ? Or was he interested primarily in talking about Jesus Christ's own faithfulness demonstrated. Why? What comes next? Right after, through faith in Christ or faithfulness of Jesus Christ, for whom? All who believe. For all believers. So, if it is the former, then what Paul is primarily talking about is a revelation born witness to through the law and the prophets, which is sort of his shorthand for the, the whole of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the revelation of a righteousness that God gives to us. How do we get that? We get that through faith in Jesus Christ. So for all who believe, that's going to be effective, right? In the second, he's saying, that God's own righteousness is being revealed, just as the law and the prophets testified to. And that righteousness is revealed through Jesus Christ's own faithfulness. For whom? For all believers. For all who believe. So, if you're a believer, you still get the benefit, right? But it's a question of what primarily... Paul is interested in talking about here. As we go through Romans, we are going to try to look at the texts that we encounter from both of these angles. And, you know, again, there there are plenty of subtle differences within these, but these are sort of the two main paradigms that you can use to look at this, Uh, two, two main ways of translating these key phrases. Right, uh, because you know, again, pistis in Greek, faith, belief. In in English, we have the special privilege and the special challenge of having our language be kind of the 
bastard child of, of Anglo-Saxon and, and French. So faith comes from the Latin side, belief comes from the, uh, from the, the Anglo-Saxon side. But the, the, so in, in many cases, we have two words with very different connotations that translate the same word that we would find in the Greek or in the Hebrew. But what we're going to try to do as we go through this, this is one of the reasons, by the way, that we're taking four years to go through Romans, uh, is we're going to try to suss out how, how, does, how do these texts make sense from these different perspectives? And is it possible that one of those is going to make more sense for us than others? And, and just to reveal a little bit of why this is important to me, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, I took a class on Romans, and I was assigned as sort of my baptism by fire uh, a paper where I had to take Pisteos Jesu Christu and try to figure out what it meant. <laughs> uh, and and I, I wrestled very, very, very hard with this. And I produced this paper, and I came to my conclusion. And in the last 10 years, I've changed my mind. In my case, I actually changed my mind through the process of preaching Matthew. Uh, but... The, the point is, what I've found personally is I think while one of the, while, while the one reading makes sense, while the one reading holds together in terms of the text as we have it, the other one in a sense takes it from standard to high definition. The other, to me, provide lenses that bring it more to life, make it more vivid. And again, I would say, if we were to have Paul right here, and we were to say, well, Paul, what did you mean by pistis Christu? I don't think he would say necessarily, well, that's totally wrong. I think he would say, well, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, obviously, it comes through faith, in Jesus Christ, because I'm talking about the believers, right? But he's also telling a story about Jesus' own faithfulness. And I think, as we looked at a few months ago when we looked at the Kaiosune Theu, and I think that's true of the good readings. You get, along with them, the good stuff you want from the other readings. But it's a question of what, what what makes sense of the whole text as we have it. So that's why we're doing this. And, and I, again, I want to emphasize, I know some of this can be kind of confusing. Uh, so if this is just not a good time for you to have the hood up, that's fine. And uh, I also want to say if, if anybody wants to do further reading or work on this, I'd be more than happy to refer you to a big stack of things. But, uh, you know, I also think this is something that's worth thinking through. As you are reading in your translation, you may want to consider reading in multiple translations to see how they come at the text, translating them differently, both in valid ways, in order to make sense of the word God's given us. Because at the end of the day, the lenses that we have are there to be used, right? The lenses we have are there to be used in order for us to see what God has given us. Insofar as those lenses make it clear, and I see many of you share my bad eyesight. I can't see Jack without my glasses or contacts. I need them to see. 
We need these lenses to see, but we also need to make sure that they're solid. We need to make sure they're correct. We need to make sure that they're clean. Perhaps some of this study will be like an enzyme solution for your contacts. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we, when we encounter your word, we often find things that are difficult for us to understand. And so we pray that when we find things that are difficult to understand, that we would not be impatient and rush to hasty solutions. Pray that we would have the humility to listen to what people older and wiser than us have said. We pray also that we would have the humility to listen to what people who are newer to this have said, because there may be something that the older and wiser folks missed along the way. Pray that always we would hold up our interpretations, our understandings, our ideas to the very word of God, that our goal in all of this would be to hear the voice of your spirit, to hear it clearly, though imperfectly. And we pray that in all this, the point of our study and the point of our reading would be your glory, the edification of your people. Pray that all learning that we engage in would be to the end of humility and gratitude for what you have revealed to us. I pray that somehow our fumbling efforts would be pleasing to you. In Christ's name, amen.